right. So I, uh, let's see, Chris, are we going live? It says it's being live streamed. It is live streamed out. Here we, here we go. Erica Redcap, career strategist extraordinaire is our guest today. I'm super excited to speak with you today. And Erica, I'm not sure if people are aware, in addition to being like a genius resume writer and career strategist, she has this skill that people come to her. You ever see something like a CEO gets in big trouble or there's a big issue and you need someone to help with their reputation, you know, to kind of make sure this person doesn't lose their job or just going to be persona non grata, canceled. Erica is the type of person they go to to help manage that reputation. So I thought, Erica, maybe you could tell a little bit about what you do, because this is kind of cool. This is really interesting. Sure. Um, I handle more from the career, the job search side of those reputation concerns. So making sure that you still can position yourself to be really viable within your industry or pursue some sort of a career change and pivot if you can't really find yourself those connections to land that next role. So I'll help you kind of through that whole process, that decisioning, and it can take longer than a traditional job search, but we definitely want people to have that dignity and um, that that um, enjoyment mm -hmm. that comes from feeling inspired by their careers. You know, what I've seen over the years through recruiting is that a person might be working for a certain company and predominantly I place people on Wall Street. So it could be the, the firm got in trouble for some sort of action. And that, but the person didn't do anything wrong, just like a regular rank and file, maybe mid-level manager really didn't have the powers of, you know, didn't have the levels of power. But when they go to look for another job, it's like guilt by association because they're like, hey, should I hire Jack? You know, he was at FTX, you know, that crypto platform that, you know, imploded. Ah, so like, what do you do when you have, let's say, and this is, you know, Eric, as you know, this is real life. You had Signature Bank, you had Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic, FTX, now Binance, Coinbase, all in the news. So if you're an employee who's saying, gosh, maybe I have to pivot and move and find a new job, how can you help them to navigate this? Sure. Um, well, the first thing is understanding that perception is reality, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding that that perception is out there and that you're working against that is the first step of the process. Because sometimes people really are in denial and they wind up talking themselves into a hole, We've even when they are trying to network or interview, and they sound very defensive. They start sounding very guilty and the concerns just rise, right? Because there's always that risk associated when you've uh, when you've been involved with an organization that struggled with something like that. Um, then the next thing is to figure out um, what lessons have you learned, right? Because inevitably, as we grow through our careers, we figure out, you know, where we thrive, what things work for us, what don't, what things work for an organization and what don't. So if we're focusing on the growth side of that experience, that can help. Um, depending on the context, um, you know, if it's a if it's an interpersonal type issue, uh, um, or if there was any sort of, you know, complicit behavior, um, sometimes an apology is appropriate. That could be something that 
you would decide to do early, right? That you feel like you need to be ahead of this, ahead of any um, potential backlash, or it could be something that really, because of the nature of the situation that you, it's more appropriate for you to take a pause, for you to step back and for you to listen, right? Especially if someone has seemed sort of out of touch or myopic about a situation, um, in which case, you know, we see, we do see that happening. We do see, you know, entertainers or people who've been canceled kind of disappearing for a little while and that's appropriate. Um, but then when they do decide they're ready to search, oftentimes it's really important to figure out where we still have goodwill, right? Where we have relationships that predated this, the scandal or the, the headlines um, and where they're still strong enough to advocate for us on our behalf, right? Because, you know, as we know, in any job search scenario, people are more likely to want to work with people they know, like, and trust. So if we can build that, you know, oftentimes we have to build that before they would be Googled. <laughs> right. And, and just to kind of dial it back for a second, I like what you were saying. And it's interesting because I've seen this with candidates where if let's say they were at a firm that got in trouble, instead of coming in confident to the interview, they feel like you exactly like you said, a little guilty, a little bit, ah, uh, do they know what happened? Are they going to think it's my fault? Um, so would you recommend instead of kind of coming in with that, like, I don't say chip on your shoulder, but like that baggage really? Yeah. To, to really come in just the opposite, like super positive, you know, really confident and, when the question is asked, you know, they could, or, or even if it's not asked, tell me if this makes sense, Erica, rather than waiting for the question and being scared, oh my God, oh my God, are they going to ask about what I did that I was involved to take, you know, to take the first step and say, hey, you may or may not be aware, Erica, I worked at, you know, such and such company and it was in the news. You probably read about it, but this wasn't my vertical. This wasn't my responsibility. I wasn't there. I did such and such. What do you think about that strategy just to kind of really nip it in the bud? So again, it depends on the nature yeah. of, of the scandal, right? If it's something um, that could be perceived as um, unethical um, or if you were more directly involved right. with it, um, then sometimes it's important to... Um, to gauge the receptiveness of your audience, right? Because some people, if they're, if you have no relationship with them, if they do seem very, um, you know, just yes, no, I'm here to, I'm here to just be dismissive and just quickly shuffle you into the approved or, or unapproved file, then you, it's not really worth that risk. However, even if you are the, some people are the type there if you say don't say purple elephant the first thing they say when they walk in the door <laughs> yeah, is, purple elephant. Ew, i got that out of the way like so if they're that type of personality right. then absolutely you have to because they're not even going to be able to breathe until that happens see that's what Otherwise, it is right because like it's so on them it's like they can't concentrate on the interview they can't focus they're nervous they're jittery and like it's just it's it's and as there's someone who interviews people like that and it's uncomfortable for the interviewer because they just feel that, like yeah. they feel that anxiousness, the stress. If you are charismatic enough yeah. 
to come in and, and earn goodwill and, and build rapport within the first 15 seconds to 15 minutes is usually when they say they're deciding who's going to go to the next stage or not. Like it's pretty quick. If you are one of those really charismatic people, if the nature of the, of the um, incident was really, maybe you had just an abundance of goodwill and just assumed the best of everyone, right? Like one chief of staff that I worked with, she was booking off calendar events and meetings that she later found out were strippers and escorts. And she wound up on the cover of, right? And so, but that her error was that she never would have assumed that that's what would ha was happening. So for her to come in and to be genuine, you know, just her true self, and right. then 15 minutes in say, you know, just so you know, full disclosure, I've been on the cover of these newspapers right. because I was, I just in good faith was doing this. And now I know better. I know booking off calendar events is, is probably a sign that maybe something's up, right? So just so you're aware that could compromise, you know, maybe I shouldn't be in a client facing role, right? Maybe I shouldn't be in a, right? Whatever that might be appropriate for that organization still has a phenomenal skill set, or she wouldn't have raised to that level. Do you think also, as I'm hearing you talk about this, let's take an example and I don't mean to point anybody out or so this would be just hypotheticals. Right. You know, let's say at one of the banks, someone's like a chief risk officer and the bank imploded. And let's say it wasn't that person's fault. You know, there's so many other people involved, et cetera. Right. Do you think for some people, maybe it makes sense to say, let me just try something different and go in a different lane and reinvent myself rather than always having to worry and feel uncomfortable and have to tell the story about what went wrong. Cause it's not pleasant to do that. It's really awkward. Meeting. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I had one client who was a chief medical officer and he was involved in a whistleblower situation and signed an NDA. Um, after which obviously he decided to leave the, the health system and he began job searching and he ran into trouble because he did not have a reference. It was a very small unit, right? And he was second in line time after time. And then they're like, we can't figure out what's going on. Like you say, you've got great relationships with your coworkers and no one's stepping up. So when then in this instance, we did decide to pursue a, a pivot, right? Depending related to some awards that he had won. So he was able to say, I'm going to focus on these specialty areas and target health organizations focused on these specialty areas, he landed within a month. We changed the narrative to say why he was job searching, right? Because it was like during the COVID pandemic that he just needed a reset. Instead of just saying, oh, it's so great. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah. I don't know why I'm job searching. What can you, you know, so if we can identify that pivot point, that can be, like you said, very effective to avoid that conversation. So in line with the pivot, as a resume writer, as a great resume writer, like I, I hear one of the best resume writers, so that how do you, what would you tell that person maybe to put on the resume? Do you leave off that company? Do you maybe? Yeah, no, a lot of people can't, right? A lot of times they've right. been there for 20 years and yeah. this is like they built their career on this organization. No, you can still leave it, but there could be based on that pivot, 
the references that you would choose would be different because you'd want it to be related to that area. So he was able to kind of side sidestep that, you know, we're not talking to the president of the health system. We're not talking to, we need to talk to these people that are related to, let's call it cardiology, right? So that kind of helps you in that situation. Um, the other the other situation could be depending on the nature, right? If it if it is something you can talk about, um, it's fine to say, you know, I've learned things as I've grown in my career and I know the situations in which I thrive now or that the organization is taking another direction and that's not for me. Because sometimes there is no public reason mm -hmm. and that can actually be more difficult. Like people understood why someone would want to leave Twitter right? <laughs> that was sure thing. Good call. People understand why people would make that move. It can be more difficult when they're like, why would you, you were on the fast track at this phenomenal organization. Why in the world would leave? Would you leave? What did you do wrong? Right? Speaking of Twitter, like what would you do if you were representing Elon Musk? And let's say the very early days when he took over and he was just, just, laying off people <laughs> they just looked at him funny and would would you take him aside if, if let's say you had the ability to take him aside what would you say to him how to how to like better handle you know laying off people and making all yeah. these fast moving changes without hurting you know his reputation twitter's reputation i think one thing to keep in mind um with Elon Musk, with uh, leaders like, uh, you know, better.com, the dolphins. The dumb dolphins. <laughs> Some people are really good at specific elements of leadership, right? They might be really great at driving results. They might be really strong in making financial decisions. But a lot of, you know, these ENTJ personality types are not empaths. Wait, what kind of what, I, I, ENTJ are typically CEO types, personality oh, okay. types. Well, what does that stand for? I'm not, um, it's extrovert, intuitive thinking, judging. Oh, okay. But so they can be very um, commander type personalities. They're not good at like reading the room or figuring out like, what people's emotional responses might be. And for someone like that, it's like, listen, if if you've got their ear, you are good at these things. Let someone else be good at these things, right? They shouldn't be the person having those conversations. They should not be the person. Just by dint of their nature, they will not thrive in those roles. So that's really good. So it, it, you would take Musk aside and say, hey, you're, you're you know, you're a genius. You've 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 built these great companies. You're one of the richest people in the world. But we all have to play to our strengths, and maybe, you know, maybe we might have somebody else handle you know the hiring yeah. and the firing, and you know, let that person do it. And this way, you could stick Coaching. with your and and you have to do that delicately. But right, is that kind of what you would do? Yeah, absolutely. Now, how about this? So. Everybody seemed to love Elon Musk when he first came out with his electric cars. And I don't want to be political or what have you, but these are issues that come up. Right. So he, you know, he was pretty much adored to just turn back the clock a little bit. After buying Twitter and then being kind of seen as maybe all right, all of a sudden he's getting attacked. What do you do now? Elon Musk has the money and the ability to bounce back in the real world. 
if somebody is in an office setting and inadvertently says something, let's not say they're doing it purposely, inadvertently makes a comment, and then they're called into HR, and they may be, be put on a, a PIP, a, a you know, performance improvement, or what yeah. have you. What do you do if maybe you say something, and let's assume no malintent, but you just right. get caught up in this cancel culture. How, what would you, how would you represent somebody and rehabilitate their image so that they could keep their job and then find new jobs? Well, yeah, that's very circumstantial, yeah. right? Depending on what the nature of the comment was. Um, I had one particularly complex client who he was from war-torn Eastern Europe. So he pretty much developed these testing behaviors to discern who he could trust mm -hmm. um, and how the scenarios in which he could feel safe. So he, coming into a corporate environment in the United States, he would purposely introduce errors into code and see how people reacted. He would purposely um, make kind of sexist or insulting comments, again, to see how people would react. And again, this was a hardwired behavior for him to, I mean, this was his way that he got out of the country was by kind of testing people like, hey, yeah, you don't really like our leader, right? And see how they respond. So can I, you know, can I get away with smuggling? Can I get away with, right? So this is, this is something he cultivated to survive. And he still is de deploying that behavior in corporate America. Didn't go well. I can imagine. Say, <laughs> right. But so he, this was so deeply ingrained. He didn't realize that he was doing it. But the sad thing is the HR at this organization was not strong enough to identify the pattern. Like it was whenever he came onto a new team, it was whenever they would have someone else rotate in to like oversee, then he would start kind of poking, instigating and see how is this person going to react to me? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to trust that I'm intelligent? Are they just going to undermine me, right? That in that instance, we it was more appropriate for him to have a reset, for him to go to another organization and for him to find um, one that did have a very strong HR component that had some sort of employee coaching counseling type within the organization. Because honestly, he was, I mean, that's, that's PTSD, right? That's really tough. And he's brilliant. But so we need to have some sort of a structure there to support him. You know, we, I've, we all see that person who they'll say things that seem super inappropriate, like just like, are you just trying to egg on a fight? And you can't understand, like, why are you doing this? Right. But they do it. And you want to say, dude, like, why well, I don't, I really don't understand. Like why I'm out. this is not necessary. Yeah. And sometimes they are just narcissist or they are just trouble starter, tr troublemakers. And we you don't know, know. What do you do with it? So let's say you have a narcissist. We've all, and maybe you can also give like a little bit of a definition for people who aren't that familiar with it. But I think we've all dealt with narcissists, even if you didn't know they are like they're in the workforce. And they're really tough to deal with. They're really toxic and they make you feel terrible. Like maybe you can explain what a narcissist is and like, what do they do? And how does that really adversely impact everyone around them? Right. So narcissists are typically someone who is just completely self-serving and they will take down anyone they, they need to who's in their path. Um, in that sort of a situation, keeping a record 
is really important. So whether if you're choosing to confront someone, doing it in email or on, on text, right? So that you've got kind of a trail um, so that you can document this behavior because oftentimes the people to whom you would report the behavior, they're just like, oh no, so-and-so's great <laughs> because they've host, right? They, they, this impression, they have a really great impression of this person. So if you are going to put yourself in a situation where you need to kind of safeguard your own standing in an organization, your own reputation and your own work, uh, then it's really important that you would have a record of that. And, and, and so let's say somebody says something that could be considered ageist, sexist, racist, what have you. And let's 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 say for the sake of this hypothetical that they didn't mean it, they have no bad intent, but now they're caught up. You know, hey, Jack, we want you to come into HR. We need to talk to you. And you know, once these things are in motion, it's hard to stop. How how would you intercede if, you know, I was your client and I'm like, oh no, you know, I'm calling you. Can you help me out? I'm I think I'm in trouble here. Right. What would well, you again, do? it depends on the nature of the comment. So right. for example, I had one client who was a talent manager and he was um, overseeing the career of a teenage girl who was a singer and he got her on the Grammys. He did all these wonderful things for her career, uh, but he made some comments, you know, he moved on and he was managing other people Um that uh, he would never manage a young girl again. Well, the media got hold of it in the Me Too era yeah. and implied something nefarious had happened, right? And he had to do one of those, ho, 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 <laughs> you know, this has been really taken out of context. And he took a couple of more recent interviews, refocusing that narrative on, you know, it was difficult for me to maintain relationship with with my partner, adult female partners, because I was on the road all the time. And I was traveling with this girl's family to safeguard her integrity. Uh, so that's why I wouldn't take another young girl client again, because I would like to get married and have children. So in that situation, it was really important for him to enter into the conversation. You can use um, platforms like social media, like using interviews with um, you know, major publications or platforms like the Principal Post, where you can share your side of the story. Oh, wait, what is that principal? It's just a platform that gives you that option. They will they'll align you with an interviewer, they will vet your, you know, your your story, your sources, and then they will publish it online. So it's you have somewhat more control of the narrative, right? Because oftentimes when, you know, if, if you're Jack Kelly, you're interviewing me for Forbes. You could take anything that I say out of context and you could craft it in a nefarious way. Not that you would in any way, shape or form, but that does happen. Like right. we've seen it happen in gotcha journalism. So they kind of take that more principled approach where they're like, okay, we realize it's really important for you to tell your side of the story. We're still going to make sure it's accurate. We're still going to be integrity, you know, in what we're printing, but it gives you a little more control over that. Um, and again, if you, you can do socials, even with the comments turned off, if it is any sort of situation where, it has become kind of a hot button topic. Do you have any other, you don't have to use their names, but any other like really juicy situations where you were called in to help out like a you know, high profile person who got a little in trouble? Um, there was one who was in sports marketing who um, was an addict 
and he had some public meltdowns. That was a bit rough. Um, he wound up waiting tables for years just because he was still struggling with that addiction side. He had a reset where he took um, just internships, like stuff that you would expect early in someone's career right. to try to rebuild. Um, but then he still was having trouble. He could not land leadership roles, right? Because people would look at this work history and they're like, what's with this huge dip? What's with like, why did you disappear for, I mean, it was a long time, like eight years. Um, so we, he set up a consultancy. He did that for a couple of years to build up kind of that integrity with these partners. And then we streamlined his timeline where we actually started with that reset period and let the early, even though it was really cool, some of those sports marketing relationships that he had, we decided it was better for his, you know, professional persona for that to disappear. And then just start at those, that new round of internships, building up the consultancy. Once we did that, um, and we worked with, again, how he presents himself, he was very nervous because of that history. He would just wring his hands all through the interviews. He didn't even realize uh, he was doing it, right? Those yeah. little tells, he just put his hands firmly on his lap. Once we got that situated, he and updated his content. He got calls in two hours. He landed in two weeks. Wow, that's great. So, so in a way, sometimes you have to step back a little bit let let the temperature cool down now in that case in that person's case it took a long time but hopefully it doesn't take as long and then you can kind of a little bit reinvent yourself you know burnish your reputation again and get back into what you you know were doing before absolutely yeah and in his case he was just struggling through that addiction period which yeah. you know we'd never we never wished that on anyone we're super glad that it worked out for him but yeah sometimes we just need need that reset or sometimes it's um there's one case where I was working with a top actor on a TV drama in Canada. Oh, all right, here we go. And he had had a long, a long tenure, like kind of like the George Clooney of Canada. And he's like, so I'm an entertainer, but I'm still like in the public mind, this character. So I know that I need to disappear for a little while. I don't want to do commercials. I don't want to do right, but I need income for my family. So we discovered he had some financial financial licenses from earlier in his career. So we decided to keep his like LinkedIn, his public persona is still entertainer. And then he just started having some conversations like, hey, I'm really interested in finances. You know, would you be willing to have a conversation? He wound up being hired as an account executive. So he could come in with these high profile accounts with a partner and they get all like, Ooh, starstruck by him sign on the deal. If he got another job, that's fine. He would just bring in the partner and they would manage the accounts for him. He had wonderful flexibility and it didn't damage his brand. So what I'm hearing with a lot of like the thread that goes through a lot of these stories is that unfortunately, some people may be knocked off of where they were, you know, in terms of their career arc, but doesn't mean it has to be over that there are ways you could kind of overcome it, whether it's taking a step back, letting time right. elapse, you know, and other kind of methods that you were talking about. So you don't have to feel it's over. Cause like, give an example. Uh, when you talked at the beginning of the show about a whistleblower, I remember vividly, there's a guy who I knew who uh, was a whistleblower on wall street and um, smart, great, you know, held great jobs. 
And I remember reaching out when I had a job order and he's like, Jack, don't even bother. I've tried so many times and I just have to do something different and reinvent myself. And I never heard back from him. So I don't know what he did, but he, unfortunately, he didn't stay in that industry and he didn't do anything wrong. He was a whistleblower. He's the one yeah. pointing out the problem, which is so wrong. Like he's the one pointing out what they did wrong and that, and he's lost, you know, he had to end his career and start all over. The fortunate thing is in, in a lot of these situations, if someone makes it up to, you know, for example, the chief of staff person that I referred to earlier, if they make it up to that level, they're imminently talented. They are really smart, really savvy. They understand the inner workings of an organization and know how to navigate that. So even though she had to kind of take um, a little bit of a demotion and do something not so public, she worked her way up to another C-suite role very quickly, right? So depending on, you know, as long as they can get that initial traction, and, and hopefully that's what happened in your context case, that he realized, I'm just not making traction on this avenue. I just need to kind of scoot a little bit and then I'm going to get it again, right? Then you can have some really great wins. What do you think about something like this? I bet you anybody who's watching this now or watch it as, you know, they, they replay it you know, down the road, there's always that person in the office who, again, will assume best of intentions. They say these things and then they'll just shrug, oh, that's just me. I didn't mean anything by it. And all they look, they'll like, give these comments that are like, you're not sure, like, what does that mean, you know? Or they'll say, well, you know, hey, I'm of this age and that's how we talk. I've done this forever, so, you know, whatever. I can't help it, I do it this way. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like that vibe, that kind of person. I am. And yeah. this, like, I get you want, we should be in a country where you could say what you want to do and do what you want to do. but. It's this like weird, awkward, and then everybody's uncomfortable around that person. Yeah. Like, what what would you do to tell? Like, how would you bring this person aside and say, "Dude, like, what's up?" Sometimes it's that perspective, right? So yeah. sometimes if there is some sort of a three hundred sixty degree feedback, or um, if they're willing to take um, some of these assessments, that can be helpful to kind of shine a, a mirror. Some people are not, um, in which case sometimes company company mandated trainings or um, emphasizing, you know, we're seeing research coming out from Harvard Business Review talking about how social skills are actually going to be the most marketable, the most important characteristic in hiring, because that's really difficult to train. Um, and it's, you can really quickly teach someone a new system or a new process. It's really hard to teach someone to be more empathetic and understanding. In which case, if we're having that conversation with the employee saying, listen, this could affect your career moving forward. So let's work on this. You know, let's strengthen you. You're phenomenal at this, this, and this. We just need to round off some of these, some of these little rough spots. And if they're willing, then you're going to have a superstar, honestly, because they've probably been held back in the past because of those comments. And if they're not, then they've made a choice. They will find themselves in a situation where they're not put in front of clients where they're put only on very specific teams that can tolerate this person, right? Or that they're going to be early in line if there is any sort of riff. Does this frustrate you where you have that like rock star jerk? Like every, again, every company has these people who let's say they're a, a, an amazing salesperson and they're bringing crazy amounts of revenue, but they're the worst. Now they're not saying like, 
you know, they're not saying anything in, a, in a, like offensive, but they're just unbearable to deal with. <laughs> Like, like, what do you do about those things? Do you just tolerate? Is this something that happens or, or, or like? Ideally, if they have any sort of L and D program and you even just, even your performance reviews, they can flag, you know, we'd like you to take this course. We'd like you to get, get aligned with a coach. We'd like you to right do X, Y, Z. Cause in that type of situation, you know, people do mature. They do grow. I do believe, I know they say, you know, tigers never change their stripes. Mm -hmm. I do believe actually people are capable of tremendous change, but they have to hit enough resistance that they feel that it's worth their while. Cause it's hard work. Yeah, now, the cool thing is, in addition to being a career strategist, you're a resume writer. So for, for these types, and I know we've talked about all different kinds of things that go on, right. but generally speaking, like what would you suggest to people who've had maybe big gaps in the resume? And that's something pretty much everybody at one time has. And it's it's... And you have to overcome it because there is that bias, in my opinion. I think there's a bias. Right, if you have too many gaps or you take too many you know, contract roles, are there things, generally speaking, like you could do for the resume that if you feel, uh, you know, I've had some uh, weaknesses here, what do I do? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot we can do. And a lot of people feel like, well, my tenure is my tenure. The dates are my dates. There's nothing that there's, it's, it's permanent, right? And it is, I'm not saying to lie about something, but we can streamline, right? We can combine positions or we can put, you know, if you took multiple consulting roles, you can put that under an umbrella, under a consultancy and kind of list the clients to kind of make that a little more easy, easy to digest. And so it doesn't look like you're a job hopper, right? That you had a focused um, section of your career, that this is what you were doing. Um, or if we do have significant gaps, uh, speaking to that gap and ideally filling it with something that would be relevant to your current uh, target. So for example, you know, if someone did change from, you know, CEO to chief communications officer, they decided they liked that more, uh, you could have communications coursework, professional development, um, being active and speaking on those topics for a time period to build up your credibility in that field. Um, even if it's, uh, a longer period, just showing what you've been doing can help kind of allay those concerns. So they're not like, oh, were they involved in something nefarious? Like, no, it's fine. We were caring for a loved one or we were going to school, right? Just as much as we're discussing that to cover it, that's really all they need. That's really great advice. Hey, you know, yeah, I, I know we, we went to the resume, but I was just thinking of something too. What about this part, you know, where you had this person, this woman who became the head of marketing for Budweiser, for Bud Light. And um, we've probably all seen that video of her saying, hey, we need to refresh the brand and so forth. And too didn't, yeah. didn't go well. Now, <laughs> she didn't do anything wrong. It just, I get, you know, it... The marketing program didn't work. And a lot of times in business and life with the best of plans just doesn't work. You know, it, it didn't go as well as you hoped it would go. What do you do to help rehabilitate that person? Because I can imagine it's going to be hard to find another job. But she didn't do anything right. wrong. She didn't break any laws, didn't do anything no. crazy. Right. It's just a marketing campaign that didn't work as they would hope it would work. 
It didn't land. Right. Yeah. Well, and she is, if you've noticed, she's on a leave of absence. So she's mm-hmm. in that pause period that we talked You're about. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. true. <laughs> yes. She's got her reputation yes. managers yes. working on her behalf. Um, because even though, um, you know, she didn't recognize her brand base, that was, that was really core to that, that fail. Right. Um, so, and then that's on, on her, right. That's literally her job is to figure out how much can we push, you know, to expand the brand without alienating our, right. our existing base. And that's where she kind of hit the mark. What she did succeed in though, was landing a huge influencer. I mean, Nike's trying to you know, working with them. Alta's working with them. So this was, it was a smart partnership from that standpoint, but the wrong brand, right? Mm-hmm. So she could easily find a really high level role within the other organization, but Budweiser might find themselves in a position where they're like, well, we need this to fall on someone. Yeah. Heads will need to roll. So unfortunately it's going to have to be you. And now there are two marketing um, of that marketing team gone on leave. So we'll see how that happens, um, how that works out. But yeah, there've been plenty of other brands aligned with the same influencer that you know, Nike came out and said, you know, you guys just need to be a little more inclusive and a little more evolved. And their, their brand base was like, yeah, I guess we kind of do that didn't work with Budweiser. Do you think a lot of this could boil down to, if you have a strong management team, they could kind of foresee these issues and put in place, like we have DEI and all that kind of stuff. But what about having just like, you know, coaching within these companies to advise, like, exactly what we're talking about here. Here are the things that happen on a day-to-day basis. And let's maybe help people to watch out for these pitfalls without purposely trying to do something, but just fall into it. Do you think that's a big gap that's going on that, that, you know, management leadership is just not paying attention to this? I think they're always concerned about it, but they don't always know how to handle it, right? Oftentimes people get promoted up to their the highest position that they can't do Peter well, right? right? Like yeah. you've thrived as, <laughs> as VP, you've thrived as EVP, and then you get to C level and you're like, wow, I'm yeah. so overwhelmed. They're not, they're, they're probably not going to demote you, but they're going to just kind of keep you there floundering for a little while, hoping that you catch base. And we, so we could have people there within the organization that are a little over their skis and they don't kind of realize you know, how they could be overshooting or how they could be mismanaging. Uh, But then it happens. And then, like you said, they kind of are winding up reacting rather than being proactive about it. So yeah, ideally everyone would love to have that crystal ball, but we don't always have that. In which case, you know, the, the support can also have a lot to do with it. Like, so for example, Budweiser issued a statement that kind of backtracked, you know, they didn't issue the Nike statement saying, okay, we all need to be a little more inclusive. They kind of backtracked on their position, which puts her in the hot seat. It absolutely puts her in the hot seat. And sometimes they do have to make those tough choices. Like, okay, well, our client base is more important than one person. Unfortunately, we're going to give you an awesome severance. (laughs) We might shift you around in the company. (laughs) You know, we appreciate you taking this hit, but the uh, ultimately, if the business doesn't stay profitable, no one has a job. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you feel you want to share with the audience about the topic or or, or do we kind of really get the most out of it so far? <laughs> I think the biggest thing is if you find yourself in a situation uh, where you don't like 
what your professional persona is. You don't like what the messaging is about you, uh, that you do have the power to change that. Like you define who you are, you know, ultimately, while, while there might be other things, other, other noise around you, you still have your own channels. You determine what's on your LinkedIn profile. You determine what's on your resume. You determine what's on your socials. Uh, so getting some strong counsel around that, if you're not really quite sure how to navigate it, but just at the end of the day, you, you probably still do have goodwill built up within your network if you've been contributing for a period of time. And you probably do have relationships that you can leverage for another role, even if you do find yourself in a really tough spot. I think that's great. That's a, that's a good way to kind of sum it up. I, you know, I love that advice. If, if people want to reach out to you, people who are in trouble, people who are like, you know, I'm dealing with these issues. I need some help. I didn't know what to do. How can they reach you? Uh, sure. They can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me um, a job search like a pro. I'm sorry, job search like a pro. Mm -hmm. No, is Correct. that .com like job search is a yeah. pro? Okay. So they could just go to your site and if, you know, they're, you know, having some of these issues we talked about, you could help them out and kind of guide them and, and, and get them back on course. Absolutely. Cool. And for anybody else who needs, you know, advice, guidance, feel free to reach out to Erica, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm connected with so many great career coaches and career advisors that specialize in all different sectors. I'll be glad to make introductions for you because you know, let's be real. The market now, for particularly for white collar professionals, in my opinion, is kind of like a white collar recession. Really, you know, it's not horrible, but it's not like it used to be. You know, the tech sector alone in 2023 had over 200,000 layoffs, and then this, you know, Wall Street, the media, and it's just this constant drip. So it's not as easy as it used to be. So if you're finding, number one, if you're having trouble, don't take it personally. It's not you. It's just this weird vibe, you know, with high inflation, worries about what's going to happen with the escalation of the war in Ukraine, could it drag us into another war, high inflation, high costs, uncertainty, worried about a recession. So these are things that are happening. So if, if you're having a tough time, easy for me to say, don't get depressed, don't lose your self-confidence because it's across the board. It's not just you. And you know, there are a lot of really great mentors and career coaches and people who could help you out, you know, and be there for you. So, you know, feel, I'll be glad to help you out. Erica is fantastic. And we're going to do these linked lives with a lot of great, smart people who are going to help out during this tough time. So I appreciate everybody watching and participating. Erica, thank you so much. I thought this was really cool because this is such an interesting, different thing. I didn't even know like it existed at this level. You know what I mean? Like, so this is fantastic. And I think you gave some really great advice to people who are going through a tough time, but also to advise people before they do it. Now, like it wakes them up. Oh my, all right. I got to make sure not to do this. I got to be careful. <laughs> so I think this is really valuable. So I really, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. This was fantastic. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thanks everybody for watching.